This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we would agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast uh, once again today. And joining us uh, from the Twin Cities is the voice of the Golden Gophers and the sports director at MNN, Mike Grimm. And Grimmer's a happy guy this week. The Gophers pick up a season opening win against a tough opponent in Nebraska. Not really how we've seen the Gophers play football in recent days, Grimmer. The ball was in the air all day. Most pass attempts of the P.J. Fleck era, 44 pass attempts. Uh, and, and it unfortunately didn't result in, um, you know, in a lot of points, but it was enough. Uh, two scoring drives to close the fourth quarter out, one to tie the game, one to set up the game-winning field goal. And, yeah, it makes – I am happy. I loved it. It was such a fun way to end a game. Um, but uh, such a difference between 1-0 and 0-1 and, and, and such a difference between the euphoria uh, that everyone was feeling at the end of that game compared to what everyone was feeling if you're wearing gold at about the seven-minute mark. Because right. it was looking at this point like – man, this um, offense hasn't looked great. Uh, the defense has been pretty good. Um, and they're going to start 0-1. They're really going to do this. And then uh, a combination of things. I do think the Gophers are tough-minded, and obviously they made plays. But this Nebraska outfit has, has gotten into the ha- habit of, of losing very winnable games. And um, that was one of their emphasis of the offseason. And it looks like, look, it can't happen overnight. Um, I was impressed with them. They they tackled way better than they have in recent years. And, um, you know, I don't think that would have been a a horrific loss. I think that we'll see them beat some people. I think they can beat Colorado this weekend based on how everything's unfolded. But that's a whole other sidebar. Um, Yeah, to get the win is big and to get it that way was fun. And um, obviously the Gophers have a few things to, um, to improve on and clean up. I, I have to admit, it surprised me a little bit that Nebraska went to the air there at the end of the game, and that led to Tyler Newbin's second interception to set up the game winner. Uh, but I guess they're trying to go for the win in regulation there, too. Yeah, you know, they got it to midfield. At that mm. point, you know, you one completion. They have this freshman phenom kicker who was kicking 60 yarders in high school from Omaha, and um, everyone in the country wanted him, and he stayed home, and he beat out the returning starter. So, I think they felt like if they got another 10 to 15 yards, they were going to give that freshman a chance to win the game. So uh, one throw down the middle would have done it. And, you know, you look at the replay, Newbin played it perfectly. Yeah. Um, but um, there was nothing behind Tyler. If that, if they had tried a, you know, a, a pump fake or something that, that you know, he, he jumped, uh, it was risky on both ways. And Newbin made the play and, and the rest is history. Uh, he got, uh, you know, ended up with, with, with two interceptions and um, it was a key part of the game, obviously. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so, uh, you know, about four and a half yards per pass attempt for the Gophers. You know, you, you really need that at about seven yards uh, per attempt, but they'll get there. A good experience for Kaliak Manis to, to have to drop back and throw that many times right out of the gate. Yeah, just so many, like, weird statistical anomalies isn't the right word, but just just stuff like you're right. Um, you know, tw- what was it, 24 for 44? Yep. Not a great percentage. He had to throw a few away, and he threw some bad passes, which usually happens. You'd like that, you know, to, to be a little better um, in, in terms of uh, completion percentage. Uh, definitely need to throw the ball down the field more. I do think part of what they were uh, doing there was the, the running game 
you know, I rewatched the game earlier this week, and and you know, some I like to rewatch it just to, one. It's 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 good to watch it without the emotion of the nervousness of the unknown. Yep. Now you know the result, so there's nothing at stake, and you just can relax and analyze it. And so I always like to do that. Yeah. And I, I am amazed sometimes of how the view is just different. Like, oh, well, that's how that. Okay, that's not how I remembered it, but that's how it happened. Yep. You know, a couple times a game. And so, in watching it back, I'm like, man, they actually ran the football pretty well the first quarter and a half. And then after that, there was nothing in the running game. And so I think part of why some of those uh, numbers were what they were is they were throwing some short passes to Crooms and to Span Ford just to almost simulate a running game, just so that they weren't behind on the sticks in second and 10 and third and 10 or second and 12 because you lost two on a first down handoff. And they just need to stay on schedule a little bit. So I think that was part of it. Um, and then another thing, I, a stat I saw in an article this week was they were their average third down was third and eight. And you're you're just not going to make a living at that third and eight. Wow. You're going to lose most games if that's your average. But yet they were eight for seventeen third down conversions. And if you're that way, that's I think forty four percent. You're gonna you're gonna probably win most games. So it's just kind of the you know third and eight. Uh, with a with a relatively young quarterback uh, as an average, but yet you converted on eight of the seventeen of those third downs. Um, there are some definite positives to pull from it. I came away from it, Todd, honestly thinking um, the run game's got to get better. But um, there is so much upside to this quarterback, man. He made some throws, a uh, couple of, even that we didn't see last year, like a couple of those throws on the run on third down. I mean, he just he just flicked his wrist, and it's boom, it's on the receiver. So, so I'm encouraged, um, you know. Uh, but but there's there's definitely you know room that they got to you know there's places they got to get better for sure. Yeah, Kelly McManus himself admitted that, you know, it's a process. I'm going to have to learn when to stand in the pocket and throw, when to flush the pocket and throw, and when to just flat out run with the football. And those are all flash decisions that need to be made, and experience is the best teacher uh, in that. So it'll be a, a work in progress a little bit for Kelly McManus to pick his spots there when he decides to run and when he decides to throw. Yeah, and 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 he's in a predicament a little bit in that way because I was I was surprised coming out of the game. I remember thinking to myself, if I'm the coaches, and this is probably why I'm not a coach, I might design some plays for him to get out of the pocket and 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 throw on the run because he showed he was so good throwing on the run. And then his news conference yesterday, basically, he said that he he wants to stay in the pocket longer. And, and I'm like, that's the opposite of the way I looked at it. So mm. I'm glad it's probably a good thing I'm not the coach. So I think he's in a He's got this good ability to get out of the pocket and use his legs, but um, I, I think their thinking is is that he broke from the pocket too soon at times. But and again, I thought he showed great patience a couple of times, and the line gave him big time time uh, many of those throws. So um, even on the on the game tying touchdown to Daniel Jackson, that great toe tap catch, um, you know that that was a long developing play. They needed to make sure that there was some time there and. And Tyler Cooper made just a great block right at the end to, to allow uh, Calic Manis to make the throw. And Ethan was upset because that throw wasn't perfect. He was wide open, and he almost overthrew it. Uh, if not for the great catch, you know, we'd be having a different conversation here. But that said, the, um, I thought pass protection was pretty good for the, for the Gophers. And when it wasn't, um, Calic Manis used his legs well to, um, to avoid some problems. And Daniel Jackson looked good. He was, you know, he and Span Ford, uh, the most experienced coming back of the receiving core. They needed them to step up and lead the way here early in the season among the receiving group, and, and they did that in the opening week. 
They did, yeah. Jackson ended up with nine catches. I mean, you know, that puts him on – I mean, he's not going to get nine every game, but that would put him on pace for, what, over 100 grabs on a, you know, 12-game season. Um, Crooms had eight catches, and Span Ford, I think, had five. So, well, you throw 44 times, somebody's going to make those catches. But yeah. it was um, – you know, it was – yeah, I, it, uh, Jackson, um, I think we're seeing him now evolve as a bona fide all-Big Ten type guy. So the last – four games you think about it uh three games especially uh, the wisconsin game he caught a touchdown and had a big factor two touchdowns in the bowl game against syracuse and then the other night um he ended up being the go-to guy late um, you know almost had the touchdown two plays before and again football such a beautiful game think about how that that last drive went um Two plays before Jackson's great catch, Jackson makes a catch but is ruled out of bounds. I think had they ruled that a touchdown live, they couldn't have overturned it. That's how close it was. Hmm. Um, maybe the ball moved a little when he hit. Next play, Kalik Manis throws into the end zone in coverage, and it hits the Nebraska defender right on the hands. I mean, it's an interception game over. He dropped it, and then on fourth down, the Gophers score a game-tying touchdown. So think about in that three-play span um, how – how different, um, who knows where it sends the season. If that Nebraska guy intercepts the ball, um, again, the conversation's quite different. We're talking wow. about that's a young quarterback making a bad mistake, and here we are you know, the following Thursday, a week later, talking about that's a quarterback who's showing great signs and threw a game-tying touchdown and then uh, led his team to a game-winning field goal drive. It is a razor-thin margin between winning and losing when you've got these high-level uh Power five, soon to be power four conferences as the Pac-12 is all but dead now uh, with the last teams leaving there. But, uh, you know, it is good. You you can learn from winning. I always hear people, oh, there's lessons to be learned in losses. Yeah, but there's lessons to be learned in wins, too. And the Gophers are going to work on that uh, this week as they get set to play uh, Eastern Michigan here in week two. Yeah, and Eastern Michigan, you know, um, if you and I had talked on Monday, um, I'd have said, yeah, Eastern Michigan's out of the MAC. They haven't been great. You know, their Gophers are twenty and a half point favorite. You know, they're going to, you know, have to take care of business. And now, um, after you know, really diving in on them, um, I, I have come around to thinking this could be a tight game. These, these guys are good. I mean, they they have a good uh, resume. They're the they were uh, the division co-champ last year of the West. They won at Arizona State last year um, in 2018. They'll make it 2019. They won at Purdue. In 2018, they won at Illinois. And at 2017, they won at Rutgers. Hmm. So they're going for their fifth Power 5 win um, in the last six years. So this is no team to just think that they're going to come in and wilt. Um, and, look, you know, we've seen uh, every year it seems a MAC team beats a Big Ten team. Last week, Toledo probably should have beaten Illinois. Toledo's the favorite in that league. Eastern Michigan's picked third. So, uh, look, this is going to be no picnic on Saturday. If the Gophers play the way they should, they should win it. But, you know, a mistake here or there, um, and, and they're going to be in a dogfight here. Eastern Michigan, I promise you, is coming in thinking they can win this football game. So um, I've talked myself into being a little scared about this game after <laughs> feeling early in the week. Uh, I, felt, I felt pretty good spot early in the week, but the more I'm diving into this now and getting ready for this game and – They've got a couple of transfers from the Big Ten that are starters. They had their starting linebacker didn't play last week. He should play this week. So um, it should be it should be an interesting night under the lights at um, Huntington Bank Stadium. So folks didn't catch it. Grimmer was apparently the cornerback whisperer last week. Mentioned to Tyler <laughs> Newbin that you're going to get two, and then he does intercept two passes. 
so that was that was kind of a neat story. And he referenced you right away when they were talking to him on the field after the game. That was pretty neat. Yeah, I so uh, Tyler and I have gotten. He's been a guest on the podcast a couple times. So he, you know, we I really enjoy his company. He's a he's a just a tremendous young man, and um, it, it, he's actually a guy just that I've really enjoyed watching grow. He came in as a highly regarded guy out of Illinois. Had had a mediocre start to his career based on the rankings. People were like, "Is this guy really that good?" Um, he had Antoine Winfield, uh, you know, uh, as a senior when he came in as a freshman and wasn't playing except on special teams. And then as a sophomore, struggled at times. But then, man, the last three years, he's just been off the charts, and it's been fun. To me, that's one of the fun things about about um, being around young people. Uh, they One, they, they energize you, and two, um, you see them grow and you see them get better, and you just see the confidence. And Daryl and I talked about him especially just even the way he walked onto the field and out of the, in and out of the huddle. And you could just see a change in him, just this confidence all of a sudden clicked. And he's that way. So Friday after practice, that's when I tape my little little inside radio here. That's when I tape my interview with P.J. Fleck that airs on the pregame show is after their Friday practice. We tape that. Mm-hmm. So I, I get to go watch the Friday practice. So I tape the P.J. Uh, the PJ interview, and then as I'm walking down the tunnel, the team is leaving the stadium, and they, um, then they get on buses, and they head to the team stays uh, in a hotel the night before. They're, they're heading there. And so I saw Newbin, and he comes over and fist bumps me. And I and it isn't what I wasn't just like you know giving him you know just making some prediction. I'd actually mentioned to PJ Fleck on the coach's show the week before that that you know I, I had an idea. You know, look, that the, the Nebraska quarterback had had some turnover issues, and here's a fifth year senior that kind of can play center field. So it wasn't just like, hey, I bet you get two. I, I legitimately thought. Tyler could have a good night, and so I said, "Hey, man, I got you for two two picks tomorrow." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh," and he answers, "Okay, I got you, I got you," and then and then he made reference. I was surprised he remembered that because he made reference to it then, as you mentioned in the yeah. post game yeah. interview with Justin yeah. Garth. So it was pretty funny. Yeah, no doubt, uh, really uh, entertaining there for sure. That uh, interaction uh, with you guys and. And, uh, yeah, that's terrific. So hopefully he can continue to have uh, that type of a season. And uh, they had two players of the week in the Big Ten with Dragan Kesic also uh, for his game-winning field goal. Yeah, and, you know, that's a kid we've been watching now for two or three years just absolutely crush the football off of his foot. And um, it, it was it was weird uh, a little bit because, look, the Gophers have had good kickers. Like, like Emmett Carpenter was Big Ten kicker of the year. You know, um, and and so they've done some good things. Ryan uh, uh, Trickett last year, Matthew Trickett last year, he got some run with the Falcons in the preseason this year. So um, he had those, you know, the 50-yarder at, at, at Nebraska to help. Um, but watching Kessich is just a different deal. So I, I felt, I really felt confident. Like, I, I was just like, 47-yarder, he's going to drill this. And he couldn't have put it much down the middle, more down the middle. It was right, you know, he started at left. He's got a little natural draw. He's a left-footed kicker. Um, and so this is going to sound like a hyperbole. So, I, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to make it sound, uh, you know, strange. But people, when they listen to me, think I'm strange anyway. But, um, you know, there's this old saying, and you know this, like in baseball. Like when I worked in St. Louis, you'd, you'd be down on the field for batting practice, and you'd be chatting and the guys would be taking BP, and you might not even be watching, and then you'd hear, you know, bam, bam, and you're like, oh, pools must be in the cage, because it just sounded different. That, that's the old baseball cage thing. It just sounds yeah. different coming off the bat, and there's truth to it. It's a cliche because it's true, um, and this is going to sound really weird. It's not a stretch at all. 
you'd be at practice, and I'm telling you, the ball coming off of Kessich's foot, there's a thud to it that you just don't hear up from other kickers. It just, it's just a booming, uh, just this booming sound. Um, his deal was he needed to one get a little more accurate, and two, he needed a little more lift off. He drives it so hard that it's low. And you know there may be a t- you know I was that that was that was my main concern even the other night it wasn't distance he easily can kick it 47 yards the issue was can you know you got to drive it from that distance and can you get it over the lineman and he did so those things he had to work on he still works on it but it does man he's got such a powerful leg um, it, it thuds off that foot like like you can't believe uh, so Eastern Michigan coming up on Saturday first time ever between the programs to play uh, one another how do those games come about is this a game that would have been scheduled during pj's era because i know they scheduled non-conference a long time in advance yeah this probably was i I can't remember exactly when it was a lot of these one-off you know these are just buy games and when i say buy b-u-y buy like you pay so i think minnesota's paying these guys a million four to come and play okay um and that's that's how these mac schools kind of make a go of it and and you know they kind of Come, you know, play on the road. They don't require a, re- a return game. Some years ago, there used to be these two for ones a lot. Minnesota had them where they would host. Uh, well, actually, I remember my first game ever as the pregame host back in '06 was the, the Gophers played a Thursday night game at Akron, and that was part of a you know, hey, uh, we'll go to your place twice if you come to our place once, and then you don't have to pay them a million bucks. Yeah. And then these schools said, you know, it doesn't, you know, even if Minnesota or Iowa or whoever comes to our place, it doesn't make as much revenue as just going and cashing a big check. So the two for one kind of went away, and quite honestly, the Big Ten team really wasn't all that interested in going to. Kent or Miami of Ohio or yeah. you know Eastern yeah. Michigan for that matter. So it's it, this is really what it is. The Gophers have played a MAC team you know almost every year. You think back. I mean, I don't want to bring up the Bowling Green game, but that's one. <laughs> Miami of Ohio's been here. Um, Northern Illinois has been here a couple of times. Jerry Kill brought a team to the Metrodome and beat Tim Brewster, if you remember back in the yeah, day. Yeah. Um, you know, and so so this isn't that uncommon. Like I said, Toledo played last week. Um, and it, and the geography works too, right? So um, when these get scheduled, it's usually a few years out. It's not quite like the home and homes where you know um, if you're playing another Power Five team, you got to really cement in a date um, and and get it. Like I think when is that Minnesota Alabama home and home like 2036 or something? I think I figured it out. I'll be drawing Social Security when I'm calling that game if I uh, got. If I'm still here, you know. <laughs> uh, hey, join Mike uh, uh, Grimm coming up and Daryl Thompson and the crew uh, at the Gopher game uh, on Saturday night. Pre-game coverage at 4.30, uh, kickoff set for 6.30. Grimmer, thanks so much. Yeah, you got it. Let me real quick, uh, you always are kind to let me go, uh, let me uh, promote this Go Gopher podcast. We yeah. had Daniel Jackson on this week, and he, he gives just this great, anatomy of how he made that great toe tap catch so i'll encourage people to listen it's about a it, the whole podcast is about 40 minutes but his interview is about 25 and uh, he was he was he was awesome to, to describe to describe it all the talk north podcast network you can find that grimmer thanks again you got it thank you appreciate it todd always fun mike grim voice of the golden gophers on the todd and friends podcast it's brought to you by heritage bank member fdic an equal housing lender Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.